Ah, good morning. So we're going to continue on in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 13 today. And we're just, we're just looking at a very small passage, just four verses today. Now, if you've ever asked yourself the question, uh, a couple questions, like, why am I here on this earth? Or what is my purpose in life? Well, this passage will help you answer those questions as a believer. Now, if you ask a lot of people in the world out there today, like, what is your purpose? Or um, what do you find fulfillment in life? You'll get a lot of different answers. So I spent a little time looking some things up on the internet, like, what do people commonly say is their purpose in life? And some people answer the question saying, well, my purpose in life is just to be happy. That's a pretty common one. Um, some people might say their purpose is to travel to as many countries as possible and experience life to its fullest. And some people might um, find their purpose in their career. They want to be the best worker at their profession possible. They want to be the best programmer, the best artist, the best athlete, and so on. But today we're going to look at what the Word of God says my purpose in life is as a believer. In just the four verses we're going to read, the Lord reveals a couple of the purposes he wants believers to perform on this earth. Just read the passage, uh, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So um, the Lord Jesus, in speaking to believers in this passage, he tells them they are several things. And if you are a believer, Luke, can you put the first slide? Oh, no, no, that's a third slide. Sorry, let's back up. Yes, there we go. If you are a believer, um, this is you. You are salt, or as the Lord says, the salt of the earth. You know, what could the Lord mean by this? I mean, how, how am I salt? Well, it helps to first consider um, what literal physical salt, physical salt is and does. You know, salt is just a simple compound. It's made up of two elements, is sodium chloride. But uh, salt has many purposes. One thing, um, we use salt as a preservative. So it's added to many foods so they don't go bad too quickly. Salt has a sanitizing or purifying influence. In the medical profession, um, you might have heard of saline. We use um, saline or salt water to um, help cleanse the part of the body that's being treated. And of course, salt, um, probably the first thing we think of, salt is used to make food taste better. You might have a very um, bland, plain baked potato. Um, but then if you put a little salt on it, it suddenly becomes amazing. 
And we see in the Bible that some objects um, usually have a negative connotation. You take something like leaven or yeast, and leaven is often used as a picture of sin. We look at salt, however, it's often, it often has a positive connotation. In the days of the Old Testament, when the sacrifices were offered up to the Lord, it's um, command that the sacrifices be seasoned with salt. The Lord is described in the Old Testament as having made um, a covenant of salt with King David. At one point, in a similar passage in the Gospel of Mark, this is Mark 9.50, um, Jesus says, salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. So how are we as believers the salt of the earth? Well, just like you might sprinkle some salt on some food to make it taste better, the Lord places us wherever we are on this earth to exert a positive influence on this earth. By living a Christ-filled life and sharing the word of God with unsafe people we're in contact with, the Lord wants to add a spiritual flavor to the world around us. And just like salt has a purifying influence on whatever it's placed, a believer should have the same kind of purifying influence on the people around him or her. Now, this might be carried out in my life by openly speaking about the Lord with other people and their need to repent of their sin. Or it just might be in how I live my life. By being a hard worker at work, working as unto the Lord, I'm being salt in my workplace. By being merciful and showing love to my neighbor, I am being salt in my neighborhood. And, you know, as salt, we can make the unbelieving world thirst for the Lord. Now, I can remember in my college years, when I was an unsafe person, when I first um, met believers who were living uh, really Christ-centered lives at this church, I didn't get saved immediately, but, um, you know, I saw how they were living their lives, and I really longed for the kind of peace they had. I really was attracted to the love and gentleness they showed. And maybe some of the most dramatic examples of believers exerting this kind of purifying influence on the earth is when a lot of people get saved. So I was reading some articles online about the Welsh revival that took place in England in the years 1904 and 1905. So what happened in uh, 1904, um, there's, if, for those of you who don't know, there's a little part of England called Wales, but a lot of people were saved in those two years, in the thousands. And because of how the Lord used the believers in Wales to see many thousands of people get saved, um, Wales had a transformation in its society. There was an amazing drop in the crime rate, like... Um, the arrests for people being drunk in public dropped by like about 50%. The jails suddenly became a lot emptier. Policemen had a lot less to do because there were so less crimes being committed. Um, thieves were returning stolen goods. It was like there was a total transformation in how that part of the country was suddenly. And there you can see the believers in Wales, they had a very visible purifying effect on their entire country in being the salt that the Lord's talking about. 
Now there's an additional thing I read on a couple sites about the Welsh Revival that's worth mentioning. It wasn't like there was like a giant army of believers who went on a big campaign and saw many people get saved. In the 14 years prior to the revival happening, the churches in Wales were actually on the decline. Church membership and attendance were on the lower side. And it's something in looking at um, literal physical salt that we can take a lesson from too. Because it, it may not take a whole lot of salt to make a difference in seasoning food. You know, maybe a recipe might just call for a tablespoon of salt, but that's enough to transform the whole dish into something that tastes really good all of a sudden. And similarly, it may not take a great number of actual believers to exercise that purifying influence on where the Lord's placed them. Going on in verse 13, um, Jesus poses a question, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Now, this, uh, ver- this part of the verse had to be puzzled for a bit. I mean, I was thinking, well, how does salt lose its flavor? I mean, um, in real life, I was thinking, well, salt doesn't spoil or, or go bad or develop mold. And salt, salt, after all, is a preservative. Salt's added to things like meat to make it last longer. And if I have salt that's uh, sitting in my cupboard, I'm not afraid of it going bad or stale. But I did a little research, um, and actually, uh, salt actually can go bad if it gets contaminated. I remember, um, I go to some households, and uh, some people put rice grains in their salt shakers. Now, this had me puzzled for a little bit, but then the reason people do that is because um, salt can actually absorb moisture, and just having something like a rice grain in your salt shaker can prevent that from happening. But uh, if salt does absorb moisture, um, something does happen to it, and not for the better. It can clump together and get hard to pour out of the salt shaker. And if the salt absorbs a lot of moisture, it can even evaporate away, and you're literally left with just this tasteless white powder. Now, this can happen in climates like the Middle East, where salt in, um, the, in Bible times, it wasn't, just pure, it wasn't really pure salt, but it was mixed in with other components. So salt in uh, biblical times really could go bad and lose its flavor. So how does this look like in a believer's life? What do I look like if I'm salt that has lost its flavor? Now, this is actually linked closely with the passage that uh, David preached on last week about persecution. If I'm, if I'm a bold witness for the Lord in the, face of hostil- in the face of hostility, I'm going to be the kind of salt that the Lord wants to use to season the earth with. But if I let the fear of persecution get the better of me, if I choose not to be a witness of Christ, but just to blend in with the world around me, then I've lost my flavor. And there's other things that can make me lose my flavor in life. Am I sinning in my life? Do I have anger or bitterness towards someone? Am I jealous of someone? Am I engaging in secret sins like pornography? 
if I let sin into my life, I'm going to lose my spiritual flavor. If I let myself get conformed to this world, like I take up worldly ways of thinking or take up a worldly lifestyle, I'm not going to appear any different from the unsafe people around me. I will have lost my flavor that way too. Now, um, a believer who's lost their flavor or lost their testimony like this, they haven't lost their salvation. They're still saved, but they become useless to, to the Lord in, what the, in the purpose he wants to use them for. The Lord wants to use us believers as his seasoning on the earth to have that spiritual purifying effect on the people around us. But if I let myself fall into sin or get taken up with the things of the world instead of the things of the Lord, I'm not going to be of any spiritual good to anybody. If I let sin into my life, I can't talk to people about their need to repent of their sin. I'm just going to look like a hypocrite. People won't listen to me that way. I will become spiritually useless. I might as well just be gravel for someone's footpath. As the Lord puts it, I'm good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So how, as a believer, do I keep my flavor? Because the truth is, it's a real danger, losing my flavor, because um, the Lord brings it up as a possibility here. How do I stay salty? Well, to stay salty, I need to keep a Christ-centered life. I need to be spending regular time with my Lord in his word and in prayer. Now, we're only a little bit into the Sermon on the Mount, but I need to be living my life um, in the way that Jesus is preaching. Now, just to mention some of the things we went over in the past few weeks, um, we see in the Beatitudes that the Lord wants me to be a peacemaker. He wants me to be pure in heart. I should be merciful. I should hunger and thirst for righteousness. And among other things we'll see in the weeks to come, as a believer, I should be loving my enemies. I should be turning the other cheek. I should be laying up treasure in heaven rather than treasure on earth. Another thing about salt that we should consider and take into account as we look at our purpose as being the salt of the earth, salt can sometimes be extremely essential. If some food is not salted, it's going to go bad and spoil very quickly. Now, we see the world around us. It just seems like I mean, if you look in the news and look at um, how the world's going, you know, the world seems to be slipping into moral decline more and more. Things just seem to be getting worse. But if we don't fulfill our purpose of being the salt of the earth until the Lord comes, you know, things could get worse much more quickly. Verse 14. Luke, can you put the next slide up? 
The next illustration the Lord uses to describe believers is this. If you're a believer, this is you. You are light. Specifically, you are the light of the world. Now, what is the purpose of light? We turn on light to make things visible, to reveal things. And there's a lot that the Lord wants to reveal. God wants you as a believer to reveal himself to the unsaved people around you. Now, the Lord Jesus is not present in the flesh at this moment on earth, but we know from the book of Colossians that the Spirit of Christ is in us. We know from other parts of the Bible that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. As a believer, you have God in you, and he wants to reveal himself to the world through how you live your life. Now, Paul talks about how the Lord wanted to do this in his life. Uh, I'll just read a couple of verses from Galatians. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, the apostle Paul says, God separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And this doesn't just apply to Paul. The Lord wants to reveal his son, the Lord Jesus, in all our lives. And closely linked to this, the Lord wants people to see their sin for what it is, and the fact that they are sinners who need to repent. Now, this can happen in a couple ways. In um, another passage in the Bible, Ephesians 5.11, I'll just read the verse. We are told to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. We're to expose sin. Now, this can be difficult. As David mentioned last week, no one likes to hear that they're a sinner deserving of hell. No one likes to hear that they're a sinner who needs to repent of their sin. Now, I had this happen to me um, yeah, about a month before I got saved, I had um, Noah I'd actually tell me that I was a sinner who had to repent of my sin. And I was so upset, I really wanted to punch him in the face really badly. <laughs> so sometimes a direct approach is needed. I know I'd had to call me out on my sin, tell me that. Not an easy thing to do. And sometimes, though, just how a believer is living their life will show someone their own sinfulness, just a contrast between um, a sinful life and a sanctified life. Just to give you an example, too. Now, before I was saved in my college years, I had a very foul mouth. I used just spelled all the curse words every day, and I felt no guilt about it. When I started hanging out with believers, though, in this church, um, I started to get a little convicted because I saw how um, kind and how well-mannered people were here, and I began feeling, wow, I really have a filthy mouth. In being light, the Lord brings about another illustration, verse 14. Uh, Luke, if you could put the last slide up. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So if you're living as a believer a Christ-centered life, you're going to be conspicuous. I 
how hard is it to hide a city? Can you imagine trying to hide something so big? Now you might think, well, um, I'm not a very important person. I'm not famous. I'm a nobody. I don't, how do I correspond to being a city set on a hill? Well, the fact is, wherever you are as a believer, the Lord has put you in a position of high visibility to somebody. Where you can be, um, where your life is free to be seen and scrutinized by uh, a particular audience, you could say. Perhaps you're the only believer in your circle of friends at school. Perhaps you're the only believer in your family. Perhaps you're the only believer in your workplace. Maybe your family is the only family of believers in your neighborhood. If that's the case, then if you're living your life as the Lord Jesus wants you to, then you're going to stand out amongst the people in your circle, like a city set on a hill, as the Lord says. Going on to verse 15. Nor do, they put, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket on a, on a lampstand and gives light to all who are in the house. Now this, um, now most days none of us use oil lamps like we did in the, in the New Testament. At least most of us probably don't. But there's an odd scenario described in verse 15 here, putting a lamp under a basket. Now, um, it's almost like if I um, turned on a light bulb and suddenly I did all I could to cover the light bulb up, even though it just been turned on. And if I saw someone doing that in real life, I would think, well, that's kind of weird. What's he doing? I mean, isn't the whole purpose of light to um, illuminate the place you're in? If you're a believer, the moment you were saved, it was like the Lord lit up a lamp and put it on a lampstand to do the work he wanted you to do. Now, this is not like a little tiny candle flame that's just barely giving me enough light to see in front of me. The image is like of a per the whole house being lit up, like a blazing light that everyone can see. Now, in terms of my daily life, what does it look like if I am putting a lamp under a basket? Well, I am purposely concealing the fact that I'm a believer, that I'm a Christian. Now, why would I do that? Once again, these verses are very closely linked to the passage that David covered in regards to persecution. If you're a believer, you carry with you a message that is very unpopular, that is very offensive to people. The Word of God says that I'm a sinner, I'm evil and wicked, all the way to the heart. I deserve eternal punishment and hell for my sins I've committed against God, and the only way I can be saved from this fate is by asking for the Lord Jesus, who died for my sins, to save me. People don't want to hear that they're sinners and helpless. People don't want to hear that they deserve to go to hell. 
Now, I remember once when I was in grad school, I asked, uh, a friend of mine asked me the question if I thought people were inwardly good or evil. And I said, well, I'd, I would have to say that people are inwardly evil. He got very upset at me. He said, well, that's because you're a Christian. You think everyone has to be saved. These days, a lot of people don't want to hear about what the Bible says or what God says. If you tell people that you believe God created the heavens and the earth and that you don't believe in evolution, there's a lot of people who will laugh at you. So, with, in the face of these kind of things, perhaps you start feeling a little self-conscious about openly sharing with people that you're a Christian. Perhaps you have a fear of persecution. There could be a temptation not to want to stick out from the crowd. And so it can be tempting for a believer to not be a witness for the Lord when the occasion calls for it, to, as the Lord puts it, put their lamp under a basket. There's a problem with this, though. There's a big problem. Because if I'm hiding myself away as a believer, there are people in my workplace or my neighborhood, people all around me who are on their way to hell, and they're not hearing the gospel because I'm keeping silent, because I'm afraid and self-conscious. Now, to this day, I have, to, I have a regret about a time where I was guilty of putting my lamp under a basket. Now, this happened about 12 years ago. I was working at the Kaiser Hospital in Walnut Creek, and I saw a patient. He was a very sick man. He uh, ended up having both his legs amputated. And one day, while I was finishing my session with him, he asked me, Michael, well, why are you always so happy? Now, that would have been a great opportunity to tell him about how I'm happy because I had Jesus as my Savior and had been saved by believing the gospel eight years before that. That would have been a great occasion to, to tell him about the hope I had in heaven and, and the eternal life I had. But I let fear get the better of me. I was afraid of sticking out like a sore thumb in front of other patients and coworkers. And I wasted the opportunity. And it was just the next week, though, that this man, he acquired sepsis. He acquired a severe infection in his blood. And he was never coherent after that. And a couple weeks later, he died. I never got the chance to talk to him again. So the fact is, that, you know, the people around us, they're on their way to hell. We don't know how much time we might have with an unsaved person to shine, to show the Lord Jesus to them. We need to shine for the Lord while we have the opportunity. Finally, in verse 16, the Lord says, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. If I'm a person following the Lord Jesus, my life should be characterized by good works. And when we see verses like, um, You shall love your neighbor as yourself, from the parable of the Good Samaritan, or in 1 John, Beloved, let's love one another. Good works are really just a given. It's 
actually hard to show love for your neighbor without doing something good for them. And as people seeing your good works, seeing your life lived out like the Sermon on the Mount, that from this verse we see, it results in a person getting saved or becoming that kind of person that glorifies your Father in heaven. Of course, I should be verbally sharing the gospel with people at some point, but unless I'm living my life in a way that the Lord Jesus wants me to live, I'm not going to be able to get in close range enough to share the gospel. Now, if you're a believer, the Lord wants you to be a people person. Now, this may go against your natural inclinations. Now, to those of you who don't know me very well, I will have to confess to being a natural introvert. I don't really naturally go towards people I don't know and start talking with them. I'm a real, as um, my wife Christina will put it, I'm a real homebody sometimes. You're left to my own devices. I would probably just um, stay at home and do my own hobbies at home and be perfectly happy. After a long day at work or a long week at work, my natural um, inclination is to just be by myself. But then that's not who the Lord wants me to be. If you're a believer, he sa- the Lord says, you are salt and light. You can't fulfill your purpose as salt and light if you're not among other people. If I'm a believer who's not attempting to reach out to unsafe people around me, I'm like that lamp that's under a basket. We're using the salt analogy. I'm like salt that's just stuck in a salt shaker. Verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men. As a believer, I want to put myself in a place where my light's going to shine before men. And that's not going to happen if I just stick to myself. If I, want to, if I want the people around me to get saved and become that per, people who glorify our Father in heaven, then I need to be a person who's spending time with others and trying to befriend them or help them in whatever way I can. Our purpose as a salt of the earth and light of the world is to get the attention of people around us who don't know God and point them towards him. And this might seem intimidating sometimes. We've already talked about persecution. If you're a naturally shy, quiet person, the thought of being light, the light of the world, that can seem, that can make you squirm a bit in your seat. When you look at what believers have suffered in the past and are still suffering around the world for being being persecuted for their faith, yeah, it can make one fearful. But as David mentioned last week, the worst that can happen to you is you're killed for your faith and then you're with the Lord. And there's a really great need for salt and light in this world right now because we're living in a world of spiritual darkness and it really just seems to be getting darker all the time. Many sins that were condemned as moral, immoral and evil even by unsaved people years ago, um, now they're very acceptable by today's society. Now, say 100 years ago, the thought of an unmarried man and woman living together would have been considered awful. 
and now it seems like that's the norm. You know, 50 years ago, if a man and woman had a child together when they were not married, that would have been considered scandalous. But nowadays, um, when people hear about that happening, people celebrate that, oh, you have a new baby, it's wonderful. You know, 25 years ago, homosexuality was considered wrong by most people. And nowadays, when people openly declare that they're homosexual, people applaud them around them. And though it's still less so than other countries, persecution in our own country really is on the rise. It seems like more and more often you see attacks on Christians in the forms of perhaps a believer being forced out of their job for taking a stand for the Lord. Or you just have to, um, you might just turn on a talk show and it seems like there's oftentimes um, a comedian ridiculing a Christian. But unless we fulfill our purpose in being the salt of the earth and the light of the world, there are a lot of unsaved people out there who are not going to hear the gospel and get saved. In closing, the good thing to remember is that we are not in this by ourselves. In being salt and light to the unsaved world, we're not trying to draw, draw attention to ourselves. You know, I'm not doing good works to show just how good I am, because I'm not. Looking at myself, there's really nothing worth looking at. The Apostle Paul says it in um, Romans chapter 7, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. You know, look at me, I'm a sinner through and through. I'm inwardly evil deep down in the heart. Really, you could say, I'm not the light source. The Lord Jesus really is. Look elsewhere in the Bible, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says uh, a few times, I am the light of the world. And in the book of Ephesians, Paul says to all believers, you are light in the Lord. The Lord Jesus really is the light source, and we as believers are just to reflect the light he's giving us. And the life we see here in the Sermon on the Mount, it's impossible to live by human means. It has to be done through the power of God. And as a believer, you have the Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. So, using the Lord's illustrations as we go into the week, let's make it our aim to, to shine, to be bright, and stay salty. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the purpose you've given us in our life. Lord, you want us to be salt and light to the people around us. And Lord, this can only be, of course, done through you. And we pray, Lord, for you to shine out brightly to the unsaved around us, Lord, that others might come to know you. Lord Jesus, we pray this in your name.